Welcome to A Shower of Roses. I'm Jenna, your host. On this podcast, we read together the readings for the upcoming Sunday Mass in the Roman Catholic Church, so that when you walk into Mass on Sunday, you feel enlightened and empowered with the knowledge of the Gospel that you need to have a meaningful and personal experience with Christ every week. I'm Catholic, but you certainly don't have to be to listen to this podcast. The Gospel is for anyone, anywhere, at any state of life. We're so glad you're here. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Sock Religious. You guys have heard me talk about Sock Religious before, but I just wanted to share with you some of the awesome products I've gotten from them over the past few months. My husband got me for Christmas a pair of Our Lady of Guadalupe socks, and I absolutely love them. They are perfect for wearing under my boots that I wear to work all the time. They are super soft and well-made. And for our uh, Valentine's Day, I got my husband this t-shirt, super soft, that says, first things first, I'm the realist. And it has a picture of the monstrance with the Eucharist in it. I absolutely love it. And I also got him an adorable pair of St. Joseph socks for the year of St. Joseph. So there's all of that and so much more at SockReligious.com. If you use the code ROSES at checkout, you'll receive 10% off your order. That is SockReligious.com. Use the code ROSES at checkout. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Hallow. Hallow is the number one Catholic prayer and meditation app. I have been using Hallow for several months. I was a little skeptical at first because I wasn't really into praying with apps or my phone, but Hallow has changed all of that. It has become a keystone in the way that I pray all day, every day. I start off my day with a minute meditation. My husband and I end the day with a sleep meditation or an examine and there's all of that and so much more content in the Hallow app and I am partnering with Hallow to give you a free trial of all their fabulous content if you go to hallow.com slash shower of roses that's h-a-l-l-o-w dot com slash shower of roses Welcome back to the podcast. Today we are going to be reading the readings for the seventh Sunday of Easter, uh, which is May 16th, 2021. This week I am joined by a wonderful special guest. Her name is Sarah Koo, and she is from the podcast called A Growing Home. How are you, Sarah? I'm good. I'm really excited to be here to chat with you. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you so much for taking the time. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your and your faith and this this podcast that you have? Yeah. So I'm Sarah. I am biracial. I am Korean, American, and white. And I am a mom of five kids. My oldest is nine and my youngest just turned one. Wow. And yeah, he just turned one and he just met my parents for the first time a couple of weeks ago on his birthday. So that was a really big deal. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, surreal and wonderful at the same time. 
So we, with our five kids, we live in the Silicon Valley, California, Silicon Valley. So like my neighbors are Google and Facebook and Apple pass by those spots pretty often in my minivan. Wow. And we've been for her here for a while now. I am a stay-at-home mom now. Before I was a stay-at-home mom, I worked full-time doing campus ministry with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. So actually, I grew up in the Protestant church. InterVarsity is a Protestant organization. And so I spent a number of years leading the ministry at Stanford University. Wow. Yeah, I mentored and led young staff and student leaders. I did a lot of Bible study training. I led Bible study, large group speaking, conference planning. My role, I kind of did it all with uh, leading that ministry. And it was wonderful. During that time, actually, is when I was processing the Catholic Church. So my first Catholic friend is my now husband. (laughs) And so I met him freshman year. We started dating senior year. And yeah, I grew up really strong Protestant. And just began a journey as I was getting to know my now husband. And it was like a three-year process of just digging into the Catholic church, kind of bringing all my questions to it. And gosh, about a decade ago, I ended up joining the Catholic church. So it's been a, it's been a wild, it's been a ride, a wild ride. Um, So now I'm a mom, a lot of kids. And for a number of years now, I had been feeling the stirring to use my voice. So, you know, I have a background in ministry and I love mentoring. It's actually my husband and I, we have been, we're pretty deeply invested in both the Chinese Catholic and also the Korean Catholic communities up where we live. And we've gotten the chance to mentor young adults who are leading high school ministry. And we just really love that. And I've had, I continue to have this um, stirring to use my voice and it started to become clear to me that the podcast, a podcast felt like something that I was excited about, but you know, I've had a lot of babies <laughs> in the last couple of years and somehow in the last pregnant with my fifth, I just could not get the idea out of my head. It was often actually during personal prayer retreats where I would spend a weekend to myself. Um, And just this idea began to grow and grow and grow as I just sat and walked with God and dreamed with God about it. And so, yeah, pregnant with my fifth, I just have this surge of creative energy that came out of nowhere. Well, it felt like it came out of nowhere to me, but it just, it just started building the podcast. So a growing home podcast explores and brings our life and about, it's about our faith and our family. You know, we're Asian American, we're Catholic, we're here in the Silicon Valley. So we talk about how we're intentional in living our life here, but also another growing passion of mine, which I've explored in the first season is that I just want to bring my voice. So our family's Asian American, I am biracial, and I just more and more see the value and the need for the diverse universal Catholic church to have, have a broader representation because each of us is made in God's image as men and women, but also in each ethnicity. And so as I was learning and growing in my Catholic faith, and I still am, I always will be, I just felt like there's a little bit of a lack of voices that looked like me. Mm. And I just need that 
you know, as, as a mom, I'm bringing in more books from Asian American authors because my kids need to see themselves represented see themselves represent, represented in books and characters and authors. And I started to feel the same thing about myself and in my growth and my faith. And so as I was growing in this desire to idea to do a podcast, I just thought, yeah, I'll, I'll bring my voice. I will, I will share and I'll bring my voice. And also through the guests that I bring on, I will bring diverse voices that share and talk about life, but from the unique vantage points of, of diverse cultures. So I just finished the first season. I'm getting ready to jump back into a second season and I'm super excited. And it's been really fun and a surprise, like life-giving thing for me as a mom. Cause you know, it's, a, it's been a COVID year. <laughs> I've been at home homeschooling five kids. Well, you know, the older ones and it didn't seem like a good time to do a podcast this year, but actually sometimes I wonder if it was just for me because of how mm. energizing and life-giving it's been. And it's been a way for me to connect with my mentors and people that I look up to and have these really good conversations. So that's what I'm doing. And, and I continue to record and jot down my ideas and bring it to life through the, through the podcast. That is so beautiful. And what an awesome um, what an awesome gift. It's just like COVID brought a, brought a lot of gifts into the world. Like, yes, it's been yes. hard, but there's been so many good fruits. So I wanted to ask you going back a little bit to your conversion, if you don't mind my asking, yeah. where did that happen? Like, when did you come into the church as far as your relationship with your, with your husband? Like, were you married or engaged? Right. So we, I ended up joining the Catholic church a few months before we got engaged. Oh, wow. Yeah. So actually my husband, his, he grew up in both the Protestant and Catholic church. His mom is Protestant and his dad is Catholic. And so okay. we were both really active in university together as students. Right. And for him, when he started dating, he made it clear really early on that the most important thing for him was that I was a follower of Jesus and I loved God and I followed God and he was willing to do the two church thing. Um, I was not as wanting to do that. And so I, that led for my, that led to my own process of exploring. And it was a long journey, A, because I was working full-time, but also I, I was very Protestant. I mean, even now I have those deep roots. Um, my mom, you know, I learned how to pray from my Korean mom. You know, I would wake up in the early mornings um, when I was young, just to hearing her praying out loud, it just Korean Protestants are known to just pray out loud and be really fervent in their prayer. And that is the legacy behind me. And my dad is really into Bible study and I just had really strong roots. And so I had a lot of questions and a lot of things I had to work through. And it was a big deal to leave a, to leave a church and tradition that still means a lot to me. I think there's a lot that I still carry with me and a lot that I really value um, from the Protestant church. And that's good and beautiful. Like there's so much to learn. Like it would be great if more Catholics were into like really vocal fervent prayer. You know what I mean? Like that's all, yeah. these are all good things. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And we can totally, you know, there, I'm sure there's so much of that tradition that, that you bring into your family and, and all that. So that's, yeah, that's beautiful. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Well, that's awesome. What a beautiful gift. Yeah. There's such a need for, I mean, like this is so obvious, but such a need for a diverse voices in the Catholic church, like duh. And I'm, if you're feeling, <laughs> if you were feeling that way, like I need someone to look at like for myself, mm-hmm. then there's hundreds of other people feeling that exact mm-hmm. same way. And so thank mm-hmm. you for being, you know, one of, I'm sure several you know, of those, of those voices that people can turn to for someone that, you know, that they can relate to, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. beautiful. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that piece of your heart with us and sharing a little bit about yourself with us. Of course. Yeah. Awesome. All right. You ready to jump into the readings for the week? I am. Okay. So Sarah's going to read the first reading, which is from Acts of the Apostles, chapter one, verses 15 to 17. 20A, 20C, through 26. Peter stood up in the midst of the brothers. There's a group of about 120 persons in the one place. He said, my brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand through the mouth of David concerning Judas, who was the guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was numbered among us and was allotted a share in this ministry. For it is written in the book of Psalms, may another take his office. Therefore, it is necessary that one of the men who accompanied us the whole time, the Lord Jesus came and went among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day on which he was taken up from us, become with us a witness to his resurrection. So they proposed to Judas called Bersabbas, who was also known as Justice and Matthias. Then they prayed, you, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this apostolic ministry from from which Judas turned away to go to his own place. Then they gave lots of them, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was counted with the 11 apostles. Hmm. Anything strike you as you were reading that? Well, you know, this is Acts 1, and so we've just, we're just at the beginning of Acts, and so, so far, Jesus has ascended to heaven, he's promised the Holy Spirit, they will be witnesses, and then this group of followers, they're just praying, like right before it says, right before this, it says, all these of one accord devoted themselves to pray, they're just doing a lot of praying, I mean, they're figuring things out, right, Jesus has left, he's ascended to heaven, And I mean, can you imagine, like, what are they going to do? What's going to happen? They've heard Jesus talk about this Holy Spirit. And so here they are. I am really struck by Peter here. I was remembering the Peter's story through the gospel. So Peter is a fisherman called by Jesus. He just like leaves his whole life as a fisherman to follow after Jesus. I mean, I can't even imagine what that would be like. He, he's the one who walks on water and then sinks. (laughs) He's also the one who Jesus tries to wash his, he's washing feet and he's like, no, don't wash me. And so Peter's the one who has these moments where Mm he, you know, he doesn't always see the right thing, do the right thing. He sometimes fear takes over. I mean, he's the one also who denies Jesus. He cuts off the high priest's ear later on. We'll see that, but he's also the one who proclaims Jesus as the Christ. There's a moment in the middle of Mark where Jesus says, well, who do you say that I am? And it's such a profound moment where Peter says, you are the Christ. So 
I think as I've studied the gospels, there's a way that I connect with Peter in the ways in which he doesn't always say the right thing and is not perfect and makes mistakes. So I have that context for Peter. And then I come here to this passage and I'm just really blown away by Peter who is bold and Peter who knows the scripture and Peter who it just, he's leading and he's speaking with this authority. And I'm just really struck by that. I mean, who is this? He's, this is just a different Peter than you see at the beginning yes. of all the gospels. And so, yeah, here he is. He knows scripture. He's leading with authority. And I just think it's so cool to see this. Yes, I 100% agree with you. Um, I was thinking the same thing. And I've been thinking this um, I, when I go to daily mass, the readings, you know, for the Easter season, it really just take you through acts at daily mass. And so every day I'm like, I can't believe this is the same guy. Exactly what you were just saying. Like this guy that denied Jesus at the drop of a hat, who just, you know, yes, pronounced that Jesus was Christ, but also asked some like pretty dumb questions as yeah. all the apostles did, like during yes. his ministry. Yes. And now he's just this incredible homilist and is so filled with the spirit. I mean, it's yeah. like, it's just incredible to see how he is transformed, like truly transformed by the Holy spirit. Yeah. I agree with you. That's, mm -hmm. that really struck me as we were reading this. Mm -hmm. There's this whole like funky, like casting lots business at the end. Yes. Where the first read that you're just like, what is up with that? That feels a little funky. So I was looking up that a little bit and it's a biblical tradition that is seen as this impartial way to make a difficult decision. And I was just, I was, I had to like pause on that moment because I was like, wait, they just cast lots and that's how they decided. But what you see in the context of this passage is that it's just all still rooted in prayer. Right. It's like they're praying and then they're trusting that God hears their prayer. Right. And then they're able to use something like their traditional casting lots to then make a decision. Right. Right. Yes. Yes. Like I kind of equated to like rolling dice, like it's all chance. It's impartial. But that's they, what it feels like. And it doesn't feel super holy when I first No, see but that. like, but it's, it, it's, you know, it's even, it's like a fair chance, you know? Yeah. And yeah. they pray about it first, like you said, which is so important. And they, you know, they put all the trust in God. It's like you, yeah, you know what to do, God. So just like whatever you want, bring it about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was thinking mm -hmm. that too. What do you make of, I always kind of forget that they even really mention Judas in Acts. Um, yeah. And it said concerning Judas, who was the guide for those who arrested Jesus. Like, I don't know about you, but I am a little sympathetic to Judas mm -hmm. um, just because I feel like he was just so caught up in a, in a moment of human weakness and just despaired so much that he, you know what I mean? Just like couldn't, didn't know that the grace of Jesus was available to him or didn't feel that he was worthy of it. Mm -hmm. Um and so I just have a lot of, I think I'm just soft for, for Judas, but I, he's made out to be such a, a villain and like, yes, he mm -hmm. plays a part in this whole passion, mm -hmm. but the passion had to have, had to happen anyway, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
That yeah. is tricky to me. It feels complicated also because we oh, just yeah. don't know that much of his story. Exactly. But we yep. do know that he was one of the 12. I mean, what did he get to see and experience of Jesus? When we do see his heart kind of turning, I'm trying to, I'm like trying to remember, but it's just, I feel like his heart just became kind of funky along the way towards the end. Um, and you know, the whole, I mean, there's a whole group of people that didn't like Jesus. I mean, obviously the chief priests, I mean, they're all like trying to lead out and follow God, but just the heart that there's like heart funkiness, I think can slowly happen. And I wonder if that was the Mm. case for Judas. I mean, he, there must've been like, obviously he decided to follow Jesus, but you know, it was a number of a few years and along the way, um, I wonder if it was small things that changed mm. his heart. I mean, we don't, we don't know, but, and we don't know a lot. I mean, we don't know yeah. a lot. We don't know. But yeah, that makes me, I mean, that makes me wonder too. Yeah. It is hard. Cause we don't really, yeah, we really don't hear about him in the gospels much except for this, you know, horrible thing that he did, which he did. Like, I'm not, down, I'm not downplaying it, but I'm just, mm-hmm. I think that, like you said, there's so much more to him that unfortunately we don't really get to you know, read about, but yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. All right, cool. Anything else you want to hit on with this reading or are we good to proceed just on? The very, the very quick last thing is just yeah. Um, towards the end, it says become with us a witness to his resurrection. And I just think it's amazing. And I, and I just makes me wonder what it would be like to, follow Jesus having experienced the resurrection like mm. they're wit- they're witnesses they've seen it mm. you know because we we have the, the bible like we can go back to readings and see it but I just see that and I just think wow they saw it they they witnessed it firsthand and I think just imagining like what, what would it have been like to be part of that group, but also part of this early church that's just figuring it out, but having yeah. seen something where, I mean, if they witnessed the resurrection, death and coming back to life, I mean, how can you not, you know, how can you right. live life not fully in? Undeniable. So, and there, this is the people here. I, I, I love acts. I just, I just <laughs> love seeing acts and seeing them figure things out and seeing how they set up the church. I think there's so many nuggets and cool things to see there. Yeah. It is amazing to see it. Yeah. Them just putting the church together and also how these pieces that they've placed are still very much a part of, you know, our liturgy today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Started here. Yep. Awesome. Cool. All right. You ready to go on to the second reading? Mm-hmm. So the second reading is from the first letter of John chapter four, verses 11 to 16. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen God. Yet if we love one another, God remains in us and his love is brought to perfection in us. This is how we know that we remain in him and he in us, that he has given us of his spirit. Moreover, we have seen and testified that the Father sent his Son as Savior of the world. Whoever acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him and he in God. We have come to know and to believe in the love God has for us. God is love, and whoever remains in love remains in God and God in him. 
Any thoughts or anything strike you? I see, I always pay attention to repeated words in passages because it, we just, it's the author trying to get us to pay attention, right? And so remains, remain is repeated, gosh, five times. And then love is repeated, gosh, I think seven times in this passage. And so I'm just paying attention to those words. And so remain, another, the root is remain, abide, and love. I think, I think between the word remain and love, those words to me just bring a feeling of intimacy and depth and connection. And it's these words that are repeated and over and over again in this little small path in the small passage. And it's talking about our relationship with God. Like it's remaining God remaining in us, us remaining in God, and then God loving us, us loving one another. <laughs> God loves us. I mean, it's just like, those are just repeated, repeated things. And so yeah, intimate, deep, like really, really close God with us. And then us with others, like loving others, like it's all part and connected. I think in my life right now, when I think of like intimate relationship togetherness, I just think about like my, my baby and my relationship with, so Joey is my little one that just turned one and he's, he's nursing still at the beginning, you nurse a lot more and breastfeeding is just so crazy. First of all, because like, as he nurses, actually antibodies go from my breast milk to him and protect him from sickness. And so there's a keys receiving as I'm nursing and there's this closeness as we're nursing, but even in pregnancy, there's his cells that can cross that cross through my placenta and become a part of my body. Yep. And so as I think about this intimacy closeness, that's being expressed in this remaining in love, I think of like nursing in my life with Joey, just like him and me, me and him and me and God, God and me. And just some, you know, there's that nearness and closeness. I think especially in this last COVID year, I think there, it was, it's, there's been a lot of hard moments. Um, I think for me, one of them was not seeing my mom for a full year, especially after having a baby. And there's been moments where as I think about like, God, I just, I just want, I just need God. And I just imagine myself in like a cuddled up next to God position. Like, like yes. I, just, I want that. I just need God in a way that. I haven't maybe in a while or just, I just, I, I want that just as Joey is close to me. Like I, I've been feeling that yearning for that relationship with God. Mm. So I just, I just, there's just a lot of intimacy here and think about my baby. Yeah. Intimacy is the word. I think that's the word that's been on my heart for like at least like a year now, because I, I think you're so right. Like with COVID people are craving intimacy because mm-hmm. they were all, you know, some people are still, you know, at home or whatever. Um, so there's such a need. And I think people try to fill that need in whatever, you know, ways, but it's like, you're right. Like God just wants to like cuddle us up. He does. <laughs> like he is like, he's the, he's the loving father. Um, and he knows we're really going through it right now. And he wants to, he wants to be that for us. Yeah. I, I so agree. And thank you for bringing up breastfeeding because that is like the, I think the most intimate thing really that I can think of is you, 
handing over your body for your baby and you are sustaining, not only did you create that life and you brought that life into the world, which are two of the most amazing things ever, <laughs> but then it, you're just, you alone are sustaining that life. And the crazy thing is that you don't even have to do anything to your body is just doing it. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like you it's, don't it's have wild. to. It's, it's crazy. crazy. Yeah. I, yeah. There's moments where I'm just like, he would not survive without me. Right. He just wouldn't survive. <laughs> and your, but your body is just doing it. Like, it's not like you had to, you know, like do a magical dance or flip a switch. Like your body is just, it's just crazy. God, God, God just like perfectly designs all of that. And in that moment, when you are breastfeeding, you are like, that's a holy hour. I heard, um, Cameron Fred on Among the Lilies describes breastfeeding as like a built-in like holy hour. Like the what's more holy than that? You know what I mean? And God is so present in that process because he designed it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My spiritual director, she, she kind of challenged me to, so she asked me how many times I was nursing a day at one point and I told her and she's, and she just encouraged me to about those points as times of reconnection to God for myself. Absolutely. It's easy just to be doing our own thing and do our own life at the end of the day. It's like, oh my gosh, like, oh, where's God? Where was God? I don't know. Right. But just like Joey has been needing to like nurse every four hours. And so every four hours, I'm just like sitting and thinking about me and oh yeah, oh yeah, me and God. Oh yeah. You know, cause the day goes on and it's been a check-in point for me. And oftentimes right. I'm just like, I've done my own thing for the last four hours and right. it's been a built-in check-in point, which has been really good and really yeah. helpful. Yeah. yeah. That's a built-in blessing. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Hmm, thanks for sharing that. I don't have any children, but I think breastfeeding is amazing and such a, it's just one of these extra cool things that God builds into womanhood that it's just super cool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah beautiful all right cool yeah. you ready to go on to the to the gospel yeah let's do it cool all right so the gospel this week is john chapter 17 verses 11b to 19 lifting up his eyes to heaven jesus prayed saying holy father keep them in your name that you have given me so that they may be one just as we are one when I was with them, I protected them in your name that you gave me, and I guarded them, and none of them was lost except the son of destruction, in order that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you. I speak this in the world so that they may share my joy completely. I gave them your word, and the world hated them because they do not belong to the world any more than I belong to the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world any more than I belong to the world. Consecrate them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I sent them into the world. And I, con and I consecrate myself for them so that they also may be consecrated in truth. Wow. Thank you. Anything strike you as you were reading that? You know, one of my first Bible studies that I led as a college student 
I was living in Troy Hall, on the USC campus, and I was living in apartments. And we were like trying to start a Bible study among upperclassmen. And I was doing John 17, a passage in John 17. And I'm remembering that. And this passage is right before the betrayal. Yeah. Like right before the betrayal happens. And there, this is just the final, final, final moments of Jesus about to be betrayed. And here he is praying for his disciples in this specific passage and also praying for his followers to come. And so I just, I just see Jesus praying. I mean, what would you do? Like he, he, he knows what's happening. He knows what's to come. He's about to be betrayed and he spends, I mean, among other things, we know that he did in his final days. These are his final like minutes and he's praying and he's using that time to intercede for his mm. disciples, like people that he was really close to. And that just strikes me about how Jesus would choose to use this, this final moments. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. This is part of the, like you said, the, the last cupper, last supper discourses that John gives a very, very long, um, several chapters of like everything that Jesus, this like last minute stuff that Jesus wants to leave with, with his apostles, like you said. Um, and so I, like you, I, I totally agree with you at how beautiful and interesting it is that these are the messages that, that Jesus is like choosing to leave in these, um, yeah, in these final moments. And and I think it's interesting that he prays kind of like you were, what you were saying at the beginning of um, your testimony when you were talking about how um, very fervent and vocal prayer was part of your upbringing. Like, I think it's interesting that Jesus prays to the Father, but mm -hmm. verbally in the presence of the apostles, obviously, so that mm -hmm. they know what he's saying. You know what I mean? This yeah. is not a private prayer. Yeah. Um, and so like, just to be a fly on the wall, like what would they have been thinking when he was praying this prayer? Like the fact that he says that the world is going to hate them because they don't belong to it. Like that must've been kind of frightening. Like, I don't know. Uh, but then, what? but yeah. then also for Peter, you know, post Pentecost, that probably makes total sense to him. Like the Peter of the first reading Mm. it's totally not of this world. You know, he's totally anointed. Yeah. yeah. That's so interesting that you say that because, you know, I've looked at this passage a lot and I just didn't, I mean, obviously they heard someone else heard it because right. they wrote it down. Right. That's really interesting to think about the disciples being prayed for and they're hearing every word of this. Yeah. Yeah. And like looking at each, you know, I don't know, looking at each other. Right. Right. Like, like what's, what is this? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know, just, it's so cool to think about that. Um, and just this idea that we're never just going to fit perfectly into the world because we don't, we're not made for this world. We exist in this world, but we're, this is a, the ship that gets us to the home, you know? Yeah. And that makes me, I mean, thinking about the disciples hearing it. Yeah. They have to hold on to that. Right. Because yeah. Jesus says, does he say that the wor world is going to hate them? Yeah. It says <laughs> I gave them your you. word and the world 
hated them because they do not belong to the world. Right. And so they're going to, and we know how the story, we know the story to come. It's going to be hard. It's going to be really, really hard. And so what do you have to hold on to? God is not going to protect them from being hurt or from having mean things said to them, or even from being killed. But what is to come? Like ultimately their home is in eternity with Jesus. And like, they have to know, they have to know that in order to press on, don't you think hmm. like to, in order to like walk forward and continue walking forward, even after they're hated on and persecuted, you know, I wonder how much they hmm. thought about this, but also how much they, as witnesses of the resurrection, seeing Jesus suffer. I mean, that must've also been something that they held on to too, as yep. they, walked forward in the life that was not promised to be, it was not, it was like actually the opposite. It was promised to to be hard, but that they would have this life of eternity and life with God that was better and something that was worth, you know, walking the narrow path for. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah. Yeah. They keep the, I like what you said that they keep the image of not just you know, the, the Jesus that taught them and the resurrected Jesus, but also the image of the, the, you know, Christ on the Christ crucified, you know, um, and knowing that that might be a possibility for their own, you know, lives, like for most of them, except for John, it was. And like, again, what a change in them that these are the same guys that fled when -hmm. Jesus was crucified, but all of those ones, all the ones that fled were also, martyred for their faith um Mm -hmm. again just going to show how the holy spirit you know transforms them Mm -hmm. yeah anything else you want to hit on with this passage i mean i feel like we could talk so there's just so much i'm just seeing again here that so holy father keep them in your name so that they may be one just as we are one Mm -hmm. So in the prayer, you know, in the prayers around this, he, that oneness is something that he, Jesus prays for. And I think that's where you see this connected to first John four, right before it to just loving one another, mm-hmm. just being one together. Um, that's just something that Jesus is asking for, for his disciples, but then also I think for the followers to come at the church, be one and unified. Mm. So that sticks out to me too. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Awesome. Okay, Sarah, this has been just so lovely. I'm so glad we got to talk about these Easter readings together because I feel like you're someone that's just very full of the Holy Spirit. So I'm glad we got to talk about the Holy Spirit so much. This has um, been, I love Bible study. This has been really, yes, really good to prepare so and then to good. chat with you about it. Yeah. So good. So I always ask my guest for a challenge for us that we might be able to take into the week based on these readings that might help us prepare for mass this Sunday. Do you have a thought? I do. So it's actually off of the last um, point I was making about Jesus's prayer for, for his disciples. And then I think for our church is that we be one. And so I think my question is how can we love one another as a Catholic universal church? Mm. And I think my challenge is to think about who's around you and 
to consider how we are part of one broad, diverse body. Mm. And how can you take one step toward unity by building friendship with someone who is different than you, someone from a different Mm. culture, someone that you just wouldn't, you know, as you're at mass, you look around, there's always the people that are easier to talk to that you talk to every week. But what about the person that is different from you? But that is part of this body. We're all part of the same body. Mm. So my challenge is what is a way that you can take a small step to building a friendship, saying hi, sparking conversation with someone in your parish or in your neighborhood, someone who's different than you that you wouldn't normally talk to. Mm. And I think that is one way that you can, if we all did that, there will, there would be growth in unity in our universal diverse church. Mm. Beautiful. Amen. And that wraps in so beautifully with your mission and your podcast. Um, Sarah, this has just been so lovely. Thank you so much for taking the time. Tell us where we can connect with you and listen to your podcast and everything. Mm -hmm. So you can find me on Instagram at a growing home and my podcast is a growing home podcast and it's on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Beautiful. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sarah. This was such a joy. This was fun. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode. Please be sure to subscribe to the show so that you never miss an episode. And it would be awesome if you could give us a good rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. Those ratings help us get this message of the gospel out to as many people as possible. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at A Shower of Roses and like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash A Shower of Roses podcast. You can also check out a showerofrosespodcast.com for more information about the show or to send us an email or feedback. We'll see you back here next Wednesday. God bless you and have a great week.